me share with you, uh, turn your Bibles, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, let me share with you a joke. A woman was at work when she received a phone call that her daughter was very sick with a fever. She left her work, stopped by the pharmacy, get some medication. She got back to the car and found that she had locked her keys in the car. You ever locked your keys in your car or locked yourself out of a house? Do what? Running. The car running. Locked your keys in the car running. That's interesting. All right. She didn't know what to do, so she called home and told the babysitter what had happened. The babysitter told her that her fever was getting worse. She said, you might find a coat hanger or use that to open the door. And so the lady looked around, found an old rusty coat hanger that had been thrown down on the ground, possibly by someone else who had sometime had locked their keys in the car. And then she looked at the hanger and said, I, you know, I don't know how to use this. You know, what do I, you know, you see it on TV, but how do you do this? So she bowed her head and asked God to send her some help. And within five minutes, an old rusty car pulled up with a dirty, greasy, bearded guy who was wearing an old biker skull rag on his head. I mean, this guy looked scary. And uh, the woman thought, this is what you sent to help me? You know, but she was desperate. So she was very thankful. The man got out of his car and asked if he could help her. And she said, yes, my daughter's very sick. I stopped to get some medication. I locked my keys in the car. I must get home. Please, can you use this hanger? to unlock my car. He said, sure. And he walked over to the car, and in less than a minute, the car was open. She hugged the man, and through her tears, she said, thank you so much. You're a very nice man. The man replied, lady, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. I was in prison for car theft, and I've only been out for about an hour. The woman hugged the man again with sobbing tears, cried out loud, oh, thank you, God. You even sent me a professional. Okay. Well, that was funny. That's funny. Locked out of the car. Locked out. Uh, and I ran across. I can't resist this blonde joke for any of you blondes. A blonde woman is driving down the road. She notices that she's low on gas, so she stops at the gas station. Uh, and while she's pumping her gas, she notices that she locked her keys in the car. So when she goes inside, <laughs> Diane. So when she goes inside to pay, she asks the attendant for a hanger so that she can attempt to open the door herself. She returns outside and begins to jimmy the lock. Ten minutes later, the attendant comes out to see how the blonde's doing. Outside the car, the blonde is moving the hanger around and around while the blonde inside the car is saying, a little more to the left, a little more to the right. Now, some of you like those kind of jokes, and I can see some of you don't, but okay. That's all. I just thought that was funny. Do what? Do Oh, it's not the issue of hair color. Okay, all right. Well, it's a horrible feeling to be locked out, right? Uh, you get frustrated. Uh, it can be. It, it can even be a dangerous place to be when you're locked out of something that you need to be at. You feel vulnerable. You feel exposed. You're separated from where you want to be, or you're separated from where you need to be. Doors can be inviting. Doors can be imposing. They can open easily or they can shut tightly. They can welcome people in and keep them safe, or they can keep bad guys out. It's one thing to be locked out of your car, your home, your office, but it's even more tragic to be locked out of an abundant life. And that's what we want to talk about today. Because to be locked out of a life that's overflowing with God's best is not good. 
to be locked out of a life that's full of power, that can overcome death and the struggles and the, and the difficulties of life. That's horrible. A life, to be locked out of a life that's not only good for this present world, but will bring you blessings in the world to come after death, that's, that's not good. To be locked out of a life that makes you part of the good shepherd's flock and allows you to be led by him, fed by him, and blessed by him, that's not good. Being locked out of an abundant life and separated from the good shepherd and his sovereign grace and salvation is the greatest tragedy tragedy of all, and it leads to really inner frustration. It leads to a feeling of being vulnerable and unprotected. It leads you to being, and we just talked about, I talked about this with Ken this morning, it leads you to a place of being exposed to spiritual harassment and eternal helplessness. Now, if that's how you feel this morning, then then the Bible's got good news for you. God has good news for us if that's how you're feeling and that's how you sense. And here's what Jesus is saying to you. He's simply saying this. If you're locked out of God's abundant living, then let me open to you. Let me open to you. And that's what he says in this fourth I am statement. Now, this is the the fifth one that we're studying because we moved the I am resurrection up for Easter. But look in John 10, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. 7 through 10, John 10, 7 through 10. Yes, this same passage where he says, I am the good shepherd. But he also says the, the fourth statement of I am the door, and he says it twice. Let's look at verses 7 through 10. So I hope you have your Bibles open or your phone on, and you're looking actually at the Bible on your phone. Here it is, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am, ego eimi in the Greek, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And then he makes this very absolute statement, I am the door. Period. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you feel locked out of abundant living, Jesus says, let me open up to you. Let me open up to you. So he says it two times, I am the door. Now, your first impression as you read through this and think through our previous lessons might be, Jesus might be getting a little confused. I mean, is he the good shepherd or is he the door? Which is he? Is he being inconsistent? Well, no, actually, he's being very consistent. Can Jesus be both the good shepherd and the door of the sheep? And the answer is yes, he can. He can be both the good shepherd who calls the sheep and the door by which the sheep enter. And this is for two reasons. There's a personal connection between the shepherd and the door, and there's a vital connection. I want to begin by looking at the personal connection, because it really gives you the word picture that was so familiar in Jesus' day, but because most of us, or all of us, are not sheep herders or sheep farmers, uh, that it's a little odd to us. There's this personal connection. And I have a picture there in your notes of the uh, sheepfold 
It's out there in the wilderness. It's built around. And if you can see, it's a little hard to see. You can look in the doorway. The shepherd is there with his shepherd's, uh, his rod and his staff. He's there in the doorway. And here's the reason that you have two pictures going on. The first of all, in verses 1 through 5 of John 10, the picture is set in the city or the village where there's a communal sheepfold. We kind of talked about it in the previous lessons. There's a communal sheepfold and there is a gate and a gatekeeper because it's in the city and there's an actual door there and the various shepherds would come and the gatekeeper would open the door of the gate. They would enter in. There would be all these mixed flocks of sheep and they would call with their distinctive voice and their sheep would hear their voice and he would lead them out. Gatekeeper would shut the door. But then he would lead them out into the wilderness. Okay, so now pretend we're now out in the wilderness. Okay, looks like the same thing, but it's not. We're in the wilderness now. Now we're out in the countryside. And he has to build it his own. And so he builds it with rocks and they'll put briars and thorns on the top. Just like in in, in, in some areas uh, uh, where people live in dangerous areas, they put cut glass on the walls so no one can climb over. And there would be no door. And what would happen is the shepherd himself would lie down and he would be the door. So he would lie there and he would become the door. And you can go today in shepherding cultures around the world and shepherds will literally say this phrase, I am the door of the sheep. So it's very typical, very, Jesus being very consistent. He can also, he can be the good shepherd. And here's the deal. He would lay down there. So that the sheep would stay in, and more importantly, none of the wild animals, wolves or whatever, or even thieves and robbers would come in and steal the sheep, devour the sheep, or scatter the sheep. So here's the, here's the point. Not only is Jesus consistent in being the good shepherd and the door, but get this. The better the shepherd, the better door he makes. Good shepherds make good doors. Why? Because good shepherds would never fail to be the door. You know, a bad shepherd would be up here getting drunk, drinking or whatever, or doing his own thing and leaving this. A good shepherd makes for a good door. We, we even have these kind of phrases. We're going to see that Jesus says many times in this chapter, I will, I lay my life down for the sheep. Well, this is so beautiful. He literally, a shepherd would literally lay down his life for the sheep. He would lay across and be the door of the sheep and, and basically say, over my dead body. You're, you know, you've heard someone say that. This isn't going to happen over my dead body. Well, that's literally what shepherds were saying. They were saying, look, no one's getting in here over my dead body. You ever heard anyone say, uh, boy, for them to get to you, they're going to have to come through me. You ever heard that phrase? Same idea here. For them to get to my sheep, they're going to have to come through me. Make good doors. But there's a vital connection here. A vital connection between the good shepherd and the door of the sheep. Because the good shepherd... and because I just unless you come through that shepherd, unless that shepherd okays your entrance into the sheepfold, you will not become one of his sheep. You will not experience the abundant life that Jesus promises. Now, when you think about doors, 
They have four basic, it's kind of funny. We go through doors all the time about what they do. They let, pay, they let people in. They keep people out, right? They let people go in. They're a, a means of going from one area to another. And they often open to greater opportunities. You have to step through this door for opportunities. Well, we're going to see today that when Jesus came to the door, he functioned. We're going to look at. So Jesus says, I'm the door. Let's look at six vital ways the door for I am God, the door of the sheep. Well, here's the first one. And, you, and you're going to kind of expect it. The good shepherd is the door of salvation. The good shepherd is the door of salvation for anyone. And at verse nine, shepherd would lay himself down at the door of the sheep to keep them inside the sheepfold where they were safe and secure. Jesus saying is saying that he alone is the door of salvation. Notice he says, if anyone enters how? By me, he will be saved. He's the only legitimate way into the sheepfold. We've already studied in the previous weeks eight characteristics of the great shepherd or the good shepherd. We've seen seven marks of the true sheep, but how do you get in here? How do you become one of those sheep? And how does he become your good shepherd? Well, we're going to talk more about this next week on Mother's Day, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But by saying I'm the door, he's saying the same thing. You can only get in through me. Now, I want you to see just how absolute and exclusive that is. We live in a day, we live in a a culture where we swim in an attitude of inclusivism, meaning... There are many ways to God. There are many opinions about God. God doesn't limit himself in any way. He accepts everyone on their terms. And yet, that's not the I am God of the Bible. And listen, if you do not soak in what I am about to say, if you do not on your own meditate on John 10 and soak up the exclusive nature of the gospel, You will be swept away by false shepherds. You'll be swept away by false teaching. And you will begin to share a different gospel. Because when he makes this statement, truly, truly. Notice verse 7, how he begins by saying, I'm the door. He says, truly, truly. That's literally, amen, amen. It is true, it is true. It's like he's saying this. Before he says anything, he's saying, I swear... I am about to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, I am God. That's what he's doing there. When he says that, he says, I I am God. And therefore, what I am about to say to you is absolutely true. People may disagree. We may not like hearing it. We may not like, it's okay for us but we don't want to impose that on others. But the reality is, Jesus didn't hold back from from imposing that. He says, hey, what I'm about to tell you is the truth, and then he says, I am. Now, we know from this study that he's claiming to be God, the God of the Old Testament. I am. 
I am who I am, but he's also saying, I, me, myself, and no one else. See, when he's saying I am, he's not saying I am, asterisk, other people too. He's saying I am. And he's not saying this in a vague, you know, new age, mystical way. This is Jesus of Nazareth. He's been born. He lives. He entered into history. He's a real individual. And what he's saying is historical. It's true. And it's exclusive. I am and no other is the way into God's sheepfold. And then he says, I am the door. Now, in your English Bible, circle the. Because in the original language Greek, the is there. there there's a, a literal, it, it, he's emphasizing that. He's saying, I, he's, there's a world of difference between saying, I am a door and saying, I am the door. In this room, there are two doors. And you said, hey, meet me by the door. And you would say, which door? Right? And I would say, the door. Now, most of us would say, which door is that? The one that we use the most. But if you, you, you see what I'm saying? So he, but in this case, there aren't two doors. He's saying, I am the door for the sheep, for the sheep. He's driving the point home. Now, I am the door of the sheep. What's he mean by that? Well, he's saying this. Sheep are believers in this passage. And they're the only believers in this passage. So if you're going to become one of God's sheep, if you're going to become one of God's followers... The only way, there's one door to become his sheep. Jesus is that door. Jesus is that way. Wow. Now, that narrows things down, does it not? But then Jesus said that, didn't he? Narrow is the way and hard to find. But broad is the way, and many who are on it to destruction. Now, that may sound... Very narrow, very good. But who can enter this absolute exclusive door? Now, here's the good news. Look at verse 9. What's the beginning of verse 9? What's it say? If, if who? If anyone, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So it's, 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 it's very narrow, very limited, but anyone can enter. But you have to enter only one way. And how do they enter? Enter by me. And we're going to see in a moment, we're going to see that what he means by me is, by me who must lay down my life and then take it up again. There's only one way into God's sheepfold. There's only one way into salvation. It's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's what we invest in the Schmitz to share in Tanzania because there's only one way, or I'm sorry, in Mozambique, there's only one way, they're all brothers over there, there's only one way for Mozambique, there's only one way for Tanzania, there's only one way for Germany. That's why we send missionaries out. God wants anyone to enter, only enter by me. Good news. That is good news. But the good news gets better. Number two, this is not only a door of salvation, 
security. So it's not just a door of salvation. It's a door of security. Okay? And that's good as well. It's a secure, it's security for all who enter in. He lays here so that you you he must let you come in, but when he lets you come in, you are secure in there. Nothing can get you. Why? Because I'm the door of the sheep. You got to come through me. You got to come through me to get to them. The good shepherd would lay himself down at the door to keep wolves out and the sheep in. He would also be on guard for thieves and robbers who might try to climb over the wall and steal the sheep. Look at verses 10 and 12. Look at verses 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Let's go on. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So you have the shepherd, but these flocks would be big enough that you would have the shepherd, but then he would have, he would hire others to help him shepherd the sheep and remember i said a good shepherd makes a good door but a bad shepherd makes a bad door and here's the point if one of these here laying across this doorway and a wolf came and you're like hey you know what i'm not getting paid enough for this this ain't worth it i am out of here Woo! wolves coming in bad shepherds make bad doors Good shepherd makes good doors, secure doors. Good shepherd lays his life down to protect those sheep. Wolf means nothing. Remember David? He was a shepherd, and the reason he wasn't afraid of Goliath was why? Because he had killed a bear, and and, uh, what was the other? A bear and a lion? A bear and a lion with his own hands? Now, we don't know if he was laying at this door when he did it, but more than likely he would be because... He's fighting them off. He's making it secure. Now, I I put this in, uh, so I got two points I want to make under this. First is this, true sheep are eternally secure and will not be tricked. They will not be tricked into following false shepherds. True sheep are eternally secure and they will not be tricked into following false shepherds who promise false salvation. Now, there's four kinds of false shepherds in this passage. There's others in the Bible, but I just want you to see how this is layered into this chapter. We're not going to go into this and deal just there. You have thieves who use sheep for their own greed. I'm just into, you know, I don't care about the sheep. I, I want to make, I'm in it for myself. You have robbers who abuse the sheep for their own gain in this passage. They abuse the sheep for their own gain. What's the difference between a thief? A thief would say, hey, Becky, look over there. Go ahead. Look over there. And then thief, okay? Now, a robber would say, Becky, whop, whop her head, and then take her purse. Does that mean, you know, so that's the difference. One uses people to get deceive them to to make a profit off of them the other will physically or emotionally or or aggressively attack manipulate and harm for their own gain and then you have strangers strangers who do not know the sheep but they try to call them away so a stranger would sneak in here and say i'm the shepherd follow me follow me come over here i've got better 
Better, I promise you a better life over here. Man, we got a lot of false shepherds like that. People who do not know the Lord, who do not know the gospel, but who are on television or in books, who promise you the best life now. When Jesus and the gospel says the best life is not now, it's later. And true sheep don't listen to that. And then you've got hired hands. They don't own the sheep, but they run away at the slightest hit. So strangers try to call you away, and hired hands, they'll, they're there to help you as long as they're getting what they need, but the second it calls for sacrifice, they're gone. You know, we really need to value longevity in ministry of, real, the, of the nature that cares for the sheep but stays put because, sadly, many in ministry are just hired hands, always looking for the next better place, always looking for the next better opportunity to further their advancement, to further their development, rather than just sticking in one place and caring and developing the sheep. Well, there's the four kinds. They have four characteristics. Let me give you those quickly because they kind of all have these four characteristics. The first is this. They will not sacrifice for the sheep like the good shepherd. The good shepherd will can get. And when they get what they want, they're gone. So here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus will never leave you when things get tough. Jesus will never abandon you because he's not getting enough from you because he already gave you everything he has. Isn't that good? See, again, too often we put pressure on our leaders to be who are only what only Jesus is. You know? You're just not giving me enough, Pastor. Well, you know what? I can only give so much, but I can point you to the one who can give you all that you need. Isn't that good? That's just good. Say, that's good. Is that good? Good. Number two, they will try to replace the replace the chief shepherd. They'll try to replace the chief shepherd and his under-shepherds. They may pretend to be the shepherd. They may claim to be the shepherd. They try to take for themselves what belongs to the shepherd. In other words, you always want to watch out for spiritual leaders that make more of themselves than, than they do of their God, that make more of their accomplishments than they do of what Christ has accomplished for you and for them. See, false shepherds will set themselves up in the place of the chief shepherd. And then number three, they seek to make themselves greater than the great shepherd, which is an oxymoron. You can't do that. How can I be greater than the great shepherd? They put themselves, their teaching, their opinions, their positions, their preferences before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again... There's so much application in this, but we just we, we need to keep... But I'm just giving... This is all in this chapter. This is all there waiting for you to delve into and understand that Jesus Christ, keep the only one that can secure you emotionally, physically, spiritually, eternally, the only one is the great shepherd. Because he's the only one that has the power in the position and the passion to do that. Number four, here's the real kicker. They never ultimately fool true sheep. 
from being a part of the one true flock and being part of the one, following the one true shepherd. They never fool the real sheep. Let me read you a couple. Look at verse 5. I want you to see this in the Bible. They, they, prophets, true sheep stay true to the one shepherd and they follow him. Look at verse 5. A stranger they will not what? Follow. But they will do what? Flee from him. Listen, if you're listening to someone who is teaching or preaching other than the Bible, you're reading something, uh, turn that off, throw that book away, don't give it to someone, get rid of it, trash it, run, flee, because true sheep don't keep listening. Yeah, but there's some good parts in that. No. No, that that bad part's going to get you. Look at verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And then look at verse 26. You do not believe me because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. Now there's another point under security I want to make and it's this. True sheep treasure their security. True sheep treasure their security by staying close to the shepherd and not scattering. And this is really the point of this security. See, we we think of eternal security this way. Now listen to me. Listen to me. We think of eternal security this way. We think the idea of security is that sheep can leave the sheepfold or quit following the shepherd and still be saved. That's how we think of eternal security. True sheep don't do that. True sheep don't want to do that. The idea of security in this passage is that those who want to get in and do harm to the sheep and take them away from the good shepherd are kept out. And the true sheep, they stick close to him. They stick close to the good. It's it's not, oh, I'm eternally secure. Let's go dabble over here and follow this nut. Let's go check out this. Let's go live in sin for a while because we can always get back into... No, the idea here is that you stay put and you want to stay put. We should treasure our security by staying close to our shepherd and, 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 and fleeing from anyone or anything that would cause a separation between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's true security. And that leads to point number three, because salvation is really good. Security is even greater. But you know what's greater than that? Oh, i got to use the right colored pen. What's even greater than that is safety. Safety. The door of security is a door of safety. The good shepherd is the door of safety for all who enter in. Because, okay, I'm in here, and I'm stuck in here. How many of you ever saw the movie, Jodie Foster movie, Panic Room? Yeah, you ever seen that room? Yeah, Panic Room, Panic Room. Panic Room, a panic room is a room of, 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 of security that you build in your house, and when bad people come into your house, you run into that room, hit a panic button, the door swings shut, and you're safe and secure. It's very interesting movie her and her daughter are trapped in there or uh, and it's see now what did i just say trapped in there 
Because, see, a panic room is, is a room of security, but it's not a room of safety. I mean, what do you call a place where you're locked in? The bad guys, and see, they couldn't go out of the panic room. The girl had a, uh, uh, I don't know what it was, was she uh, asthmatic? I think she was asthmatic, diabetic or asthmatic, and so she needed her meds. But you're, you're, they were secure, the bad guys were out there, but they couldn't go in and out to get her medicine. Anyway, it's a very interesting scenario. What do you call a place? Bill, Bill Howell know the answer to this. What do you call a room where you are secure, but you can't go in and out? It's called prison. It's called prison. And in fact, if it's really a high level, it's called a maximum what? Security facility. No one else. When we say, oh, hey, we're secure, man, that we're all secure and safe. So let me show you how that works. Look at verse 9 again. Look at verse 9 again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. But notice, and go in and out. Woo, that's great. Jody couldn't do that. So we're secure in here, but we can also go in and out. Now, what's the significance of this? Well, I don't have time. I just If you want to jot down this reference, Numbers 27, Numbers 27, 16 through 17. Numbers 27, 16 through 17, Moses talks about the need. He's, he's getting ready to die. Joshua's on the scene, and he's saying, Lord, we need a leader who can come. And this is all through the Old Testament. We need someone to lead your people. They need to, be, they need to go in and out. They need to be led in and out. So they, And here's what it says, that they may not be sheep without a shepherd. Now, what is in and out? That's a great burger joint in California. But what's he mean? Not as good as town topic, but it's okay. Now, what, what's he mean by in and out? Well, when you see in and out, here's the main idea. First of all, it means you're able to leave, live your life in safety. In other words, you could go out of the gates of the city and do your business or do your traveling or do what you need to do, and then you could come back in and you didn't have to, like, fear for your life. But it also meant this. It meant a strong leader who would lead you out to battle and then lead you back in in victory on God's mission. You see, folks, salvation and being part of God's flock is not about hanging out in here and enjoying our salvation, enjoying our security, and never doing anything for God. It's not coming here week after week and just saying, well, I'm saved and, and the rest of the world can go to hell as long as me and my family are okay. I'm just in here safe and secure, and you can't tell me I can't lose my salvation because I'm secure. But hey, this is a door of safety. We need to be going in and out on God's mission. And here's the good news. You say, but it's scary out there. It's scary to witness. Wait a minute, he'll lead you out, but he's going to lead, you're, you'll come back. Isn't that good? You know, it's one thing to be, you know, I, 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 I don't know. We're a generation, most of us, that didn't, weren't drafted into war. You know, here's what I know. If I'm drafted into war with no guarantee of coming back, I'm scared. And I'm going to have a position, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have an attitude of, I, I've got to survive this. 
But if I had a guarantee, we will ship you out, we will train you, we will send you on your mission, and I guarantee we will lead you back in safety. Then I can just go out there and say, I can be Rambo. I can be a wild man on the mission. Why? Because I know he's going to lead me back in. Are you getting this idea? Listen, whatever Jesus is calling us to do, living holy, witnessing for him, loving the unlovely, forgiving those who don't want to be forgiven, whatever whatever scary mission he is calling us to do, he's going to lead us out and he's going to lead us back and we're going to be safe. Let me challenge you. Jesus is the door of safety, which means we are free to come and go, not as we please, but as he leads. And come back. No, it's safety. I only leave, his, I only leave here when he's leading me. I only go where he leads, and I, and I go and I come based on the lordship. Lordship is where your safety's. So let me give you a challenge. What is keeping you back from surrendering to the Lordship of Christ today and following His leadership? What area of your life are you hanging on to today? What has God called you? How has He called you to serve in this church? And because you haven't surrendered that area of your life, you're not serving. What area are you dabbling in secret sin that won't be secret forever? And you're not letting go of that sin for fear of the vulnerability that it will bring. What, what Some of you need to be involved in grow group. You need to be involved in a small group. What's keeping you from getting into that involvement? What are you hanging on to? Because Jesus will lead you in, and he will lead you back in safety. Now, that's all good news, but it gets better. gets better. Door number four, satisfaction. Jesus is the door of satisfaction. Now, I'm not going to dwell a lot on this idea. They find, they go in and out. It says in verse 9, they go in and out and they find good pasture. They find good pasture. Here's the point. Right now, whatever Jesus is calling you to forsake, whatever he's calling you to obey, whatever ministry he wants you to get involved in or you're involved in, and you're just you know, thinking of bailing out or whatever group or smaller group of accountability and fellowship, please understand that it's a place, he's trying to lead you to a place of satisfaction. You say, but this sin is so satisfying. He's more satisfying. Yeah, but being run by these other priorities seems so fulfilling, but he's more than fulfilling. Good pasture. You're missing out. And it's just like anything else. It's just like it's like stereo equipment. You find a great stereo, piece of stereo, and then they always start you with the lowest because then they compare the better. And you're like, well, I can afford this, but this sounds so much better. And I'm telling you, that's the way we are with pastures. We think running our own lives, man, this is so fulfilling. Nothing could be better. And then we get a taste of what Jesus has, and we're like, man, that is... That's like bologna compared, you know, steak compared to bologna. Number five, this good shepherd is a door of sacrifice. The door of sacrifice. 
None of this is possible unless the shepherd lays down his life. It's a door of sacrifice. Once he mentions, I am the door in this chapter, he mentions five, da- five times, I laid down my life. And I think it's so cool how the Word of God is so literal, physical, and yet spiritually crazy. Because literally, what a shepherd would do would lay down. But when you lay down and stretched out, what do you look like? You look like you're dead. What he's saying is, I lay down, literally. I'm going to lay down my life on the cross. And then I'm going to take it up again. You see all this salvation, this security, this safety, this satisfaction, it only comes through one way. The death of the good shepherd. Now you've got to understand, these sheep, Totally dependent on this shepherd. If this shepherd dies, the sheep die. Are you with me? No one's there to protect them. No one's there to lead them out. No one's there to lead them in. So in shepherding, the absolute worst thing that could happen from a sheep's perspective is that my shepherd would die. And yet, God turns that upside down and says the absolute best thing that can happen for the sheep is that the shepherd would die. But he dies because he voluntarily chose to die, and he will take his life up again. So, three points about his death. First of all, it was a voluntary sacrifice. It's a voluntary sacrifice. Look at verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. Listen, why does he do do this? Because he owns the sheep. He cares for the sheep. He loves the sheep, and he knows it's in the best interest of the sheep that he would die. Secondly, his death was substitutionary. Big word, bigger meaning. Substitutionary. He was our substitute. He died not because he needed to, but because the sheep needed him to. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, everyone his own way. For the wages of sin is death. We're doomed. And he took our place, and he suffered our punishment. Isaiah 53, if you want to get the the shepherding, the lamb of God, our sins were laid upon him. Now, how is that emphasized in this chapter? I laid down my life for the sheep. For the sheep. You know what? These three, this one word, and those three letters are the most important words in the gospel. Most important words for the gospel is that all that Christ did was for others, for His sheep. Sufficient for the whole world, but only only saving for those who enter by Him. He did this for us. Now, right now, you may be saying, you know, this isn't that interesting. Get something practical. Folks, this is practical. This is eternal. This is everything that you're banking your future on. This is the key to abundant life. It's substitutionary. And then number three, his death was solitary. It was solitary. He's the only one. Buddha didn't do this. Muhammad didn't do this. David Koresh didn't do this. And all of them have died, but none of them took their life up again. Jesus is the only way. And it's through his death, his burial, and his resurrection 
that we have salvation, we have security, we have and we can find satisfaction in life. Number six, it's a door of surrender. It's a door of surrender. There's no sacrifice without surrender. How do I know this? Look at John 10, 17. Look at John 10, 17. I don't fully understand this verse. This verse can be mishandled and misunderstood. But this is a powerful verse. John 10, 17. For this reason, the Father loves me. This is Jesus talking. For this reason... The Father loves me. Why? Why, Jesus? Why does the Father love you? Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And then look at the end of verse 18. This charge I received from my Father. Jesus died out of love for us, but He also died out of love and obedience to His Father. And His Father said, out of love for us, God so loved the world. John 3.16, same gospel. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Out of love for us, He gave His Son, and then He turned to His Son and said, Son, I have a mission for you. This is my command. Go and die for my sheep. And Jesus said, I'll do that. He chose to do that. He did that. And the Father says, I love that kind of surrender. I love that kind of obedience. I love you because you would die for them. And I want to save them, but you've got to die for them. This is our mission. This is our plan. It was a loving command, but it was a voluntary choice. So, as his sheep... Now, here, here's the kicker. If the door is a door of sacrifice, surrender, and we to get in there, we have to go through him. Shepherd, you can't be one with the shepherd. You can't be a one flock and not surrender. See, we've presented salvation without any sacrifice, a salvation without a salvation without any lordship. And I don't mean you have to uh, get your life fixed up before you get in. It's just that once you're in, therefore, what do you do? What's he leading us to do? He's going to be leading us to do what he does. Sacrifice to get the gospel to others. Surrender yourself to get the gospel to others. To serve. Listen, if you're going to be involved in ministry in this church, it's going to take sacrifice. And it's going to take surrender. If you're going to be involved in a grow group on a consistent basis, you're going to have to give up something to be led to better pastures. If, if you're going to forsake sin, then you're going to have to you're going to have to die to self. So there's three ways that we we should surrender. First of all, surrender our lives to serve Him. Man, if He did this for me, the Bible simply says that's what we ought to do for Him. We do it for Him, but then we surrender our lives to serve the one flock. I love how John ends. How does John end? He he brings Peter, who was afraid to sacrifice who thought he could surrender anything, but he, 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 he betrayed his Lord, and he calls Peter around a fire, and he says, Do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, You know I love you. And what's he say? Feed my sheep. 
See, if you love me, then you'll love usins. Feed my sheep. Get involved in ministry. And then thirdly, to surrender our lives sacrificially to go to the nations and find his other sheep. Remember in John 10, 16, he says, I have other sheep. And so Jesus died so that missions would be successful. The reason that uh, Roger can put a video of fourth generation disciples worshiping in Mozambique is because Jesus said, I will, I will lead you out and I will bring you back safely so that you can find other sheep. But that takes sacrifice. And many of you do that financially. And that's why we can support the Schmitz, the Gandys. And we got some great plans for this coming year that's going to cost twenty, maybe $20,000 to get some scriptures translated in languages to unreached people. And it's because of our sacrifice, following the example of our good shepherd, that other sheep in unreached places are going to get the word of God, get fed, led, and become one with us as we follow the one shepherd. That's just good stuff. Is that just not good? What do you need to sacrifice today? What do you need to surrender? The key is you've got to enter by this door. Enter in. For salvation for some, but for lordship for all of us. So that we can be led to do the things that he has for us. Man, that's, that's just good. Jesus is the door. Let him open up for you. Let's pray. Father, what a challenge that you've laid before us. You're the door. So all these good things, but it begins with us surrendering our sin, trusting in you, and then stepping through you into what you have for us. I pray nobody will miss the abundant life that is on the other side of you, that is available by you, through you, and it's all for you. So I I pray that we'll step through from being not a sheep, being a goat, into being sheep, being saved, but we'll also step from running our own lives to surrendering to the lordship of your life. That we'll sacrifice, die to self, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. True sheep do that because you enable them. So we give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to do through this lesson today. In Jesus' name, amen.